Okay. Good. She's also recording. That's fine. Okay. Yeah, you've got two. I'm just trying to figure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Okay, so we're recording now. Yeah. Ready? We're recording. Oh (laughs) my god. In order, in honor of Bailey. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Bailey. And I'm Erica. And guys, it's been a minute. I've been away. Yeah. Uh, Erin decided to get a life, everybody, outside of Canada. So (laughs) (laughs) there's that. It was very hot in DC. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It was As opposed to the snow in Ottawa. And the rain. Um, did a whole bunch of fun things. Saw my favorite band. Went to a couple podcast recordings. It was good. Awesome. What was your favorite podcast recording? Uh, so I actually went to two from Crooked Media. I went to Pod Save America and I went to the Love It or Leave It show. Hmm. Um, Love It or Leave It's more of a comedy type political podcast. So a little bit loose. A lot more funny, so, you know, depends on what your flavor is. Also, it started really late, and I was like, I need to go to bed. What time did it start? 11.30. At night? (laughs) What? It was immediately after the Ponzi of America recording. Ew! Ew! Okay, people in America stay up past 10. Oh my god. Out. Horror. Out. Although, 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 Bailey did well. Bailey did well. I came oh, to your birthday. Yeah, your birthday. So Bailey came to my birthday party refreshed. She had her nap. I did. I had she, a nap. She had her shower. She ate and she was ready. I had a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. Oh, she was I ready. Was she was ready. Wow. And yeah. I stayed out till 2.30 in the morning. She did. So. I did. That's a commitment. I had to prep myself all week. Emotionally. <laughs> that shows her commitment to I, the friendship. I, 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 you know what? When she came, when I saw her, I was like, oh, because I knew, I knew the prep you had to do. So thank you, Bailey. Bailey's been sick for the, my past two birthdays or something. My whole life. Yeah, yeah. there was the one time you were sick. You were like food poisoning. Yeah, food poisoning. Yeah. Yeah. You're, You're like the I only threw thing. up, but I came out, but I'm going home now. Yeah. <laughs> that was awful. I was so sick that time. It's January, but yeah. It Is feels, it January? It yeah. feels it's the same. It's winter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so Eric had a birthday. I was on vac. Well, not really vacation, but not in Ottawa. And Bailey was was that not yeah. vacation? I was working. Oh. Yeah. Even better. So. Yeah. Taxpayer funded. I like it. Well, I paid for it, but I was working from there. <laughs> so, ooh, you know, then yeah. no. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, and I have a new job, so oh. this is my this is my swan song. Um. I I can't do the podcast anymore. Um. But you guys are gonna find someone amazing to replace me. Yeah. And it's gonna be super exciting. So get at us if you want to be a co-host of the Bad yeah. Podcast. Yeah. Oh my send gosh, us, yes. Send, send us, us like, like send a us voice clip or like a, a video like or something. Your best bad and bitchy take. Yeah. You know what? We should have like a rant. Like, yeah. like so yeah. send us a rant. Send us your rants. And it has to be at least 30 seconds. Yeah. And 
And this is the best. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I have ideas. Okay. Y'all send us a rat. Send it to us. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can email it to us at badandbepod at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, and then we'll, I mean, we'll re- respond to your email. Yeah. Obviously. Because um, we're not assholes. <laughs> oh. We're very interactive. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway. So but Bailey will be poking around nice. and she'll like yeah. hang out with us. Yeah, definitely. At like events and shit. Totally. She'll be around. Yeah, I'll be around. She'll still so. be in our Instagrams probably sometimes. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, so yeah. So thanks guys. It's been, it's been really fun. You know you're like the original, right? I'm the OG. You are. OG bad. bitch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The OG bad bitch. The OG bad bitch. Oh my gosh. Exactly. I want um, this on a t-shirt. The OG wow. bad bitch. I want to I want to be in the gym because my gym is a lot of dudes and yeah. I just want to wear OG bad bitch. You know and what? I just want to be like, "Hey, how's it going?" You know what? Erica, this is a great great segue. Um we actually this week sent our first new Stay Bitchy newsletter, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of our newly launched Patreon. Yes. Um, so you can visit patreon.com slash badandbitchy. And we are raising money to, one, um, improve our website, and two, to become more self-sufficient in our podcast, podcasting equipment. Um, so we have different levels that you can... Um, pledge to support us from five dollars all the way up to fifty and a hundred. If that's what you can afford, you can get things like our newsletter. You can get things like a shout out on the podcast. Um, we're gonna be doing merch, so that's a great T-shirt idea, Erica. I do have. And should we down shout there. out our current patrons? Yeah, so we actually have two two patrons right now. We've got Crystal who um, wrote into us before on one of our dating podcasts. She was mine and Bailey's hairstylist in Toronto. So if you're in Toronto, go see her. Um, Hair by Crystal on Instagram. Instagram. Yep. And then we've got Victoria, who is Erica's friend. Hey. Um, And I met her the other day, and she's super great. So, yeah, shout out to those those two wonderful ladies for supporting us. And... uh, yeah, um, Bailey, any parting words? Just stay bitchy, y'all. Stay bitchy. And where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at Bailey Marie Reed, R-E-I-D. Or you can find me at Bailey Reed 85 on Insta. Uh, and medium.com slash Bailey Reed. Uh, I think that's it. Cool. Snapchat, yeah, I don't go on Snapchat. Don't snap me. Insta. You don't go on Snapchat. Oh, yeah, yeah you moved to Insta. I like Insta better. I, I, I deleted Snapchat. Oh! Whoa. This is why you never opened my Snap. I opened it the other day, oh, and then did. I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway, I'm going to take myself and the pod dog, Sasha, away now and let you guys record the rest of the show. Um, but, yeah, it's been a slice. Stay oh. bitchy. Love you. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Here we are. This is weird. It is weird. But you know what? Like, 
considering I missed the last one. <laughs> that's like, true, but you were doing something real cool, which is going to be released soon. Yes. So yes. that's fine. Yay. All right, let's get into it. This Week in Feminism. Ugh. So this past week, uh, a series of elections took place across the U.S. at the state and local levels. As an, an end, as I'm sure you've heard, the Democrats made huge strides, which could act as a signal for what's to come in the 2018 midterm elections. Uh, aside from flipping a bunch of state and local seats across the country and winning two governorships in Virginia and New Jersey, um, there were many important and historic wins for women, people of color, and the LGBTQ2S community. So, for example, uh, Danica Rome, a transgender woman in Virginia, beat the anti-LGBT man who wrote the discriminatory, discriminatory bathroom bill. Uh, Virginia also elected its first two Latina delegates, its first Asian-American delegate, its first Democratic Socialist delegate, and its second African-American who served in statewide office. So, fuck yeah, Virginia. Uh, many- Virginia was, wow. Yeah. Virginia was crazy. Um, and then Minneapolis, Minnesota elected two transgender people of color to office. St. Paul, Minnesota elected its first black mayor. Helena, Montana elected a new Liberian refugee as mayor, the first black mayor in the state. Hoboken, New Jersey voters elected the, uh, the state's first Sikh mayor. And Seattle, Washington elected its first female mayor since the 1920s and its first lesbian mayor ever. Fuck yes. 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 Here for it. Holy shit. That was a long list. It was a long list. And, you know, I was reading about um, a federal, no, not a federal prosecutor, but a prosecutor who had convicted, um, she got a conviction for for a white police officer who killed a black kid, mm-hmm. and she was reelected. Um, and apparently, this was like a, actually a surprise that she was reelected hmm. because she had convicted that cop. So I think I honestly think like just using that story, the transgendered people, the the refugees, the. I mean, think about the groups that are being elected. and People they, who are more representative of the country. But they're exactly the groups that have been... Marginalized. Marginalized by Trump's administration. Yep. So, like, there's actually, like, a, a, a direct... Response. Response. Yeah. And this is why... And what Republicans have done over time that Democrats apparently are now waking up to is that... The national election only goes to so far. The real policy decisions are made by Congress. Yeah. And every two years, you vote for that Congress. Mm -hmm. So the 2018 elections are going to be very, very interesting to watch. Yeah. Because this could be just um, like a retaliation um, to the Trump administration and what it represents. Yeah, and like historically, Democrats don't tend to vote in either midterm elections or off-year elections, mm-hmm. like the ones we saw uh, this past week. So, one, people have started understanding the importance of those state and local governments, because in order to come to an office, like being in the Senate or the House of Representatives or even the Office of President, like you need to have that background. So starting at like such a low 
and grassroots level is really important to get that experience to come up um, through the rest of the system. But um, people are seeing what can happen when you actually, guess what, go out and fucking vote. And these are people outside of the system. Yeah. These are people who are not, you know, the Clintonites of the party. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to notice, too, is that it's not as though you have the sort of um, hawkish Democrats that are taking over. It really is coming from the grassroots of the party. Yeah. And that's really interesting because um, one of the, the trans women who won, she didn't run on being trans. Right. She ran on being pissed off that traffic in her neighborhood was really bad. So, you know, taking an issue that's really important to you and running on that because it affects so many people is really important. And, you know, people were able to look past the fact that she's trans and see her for what she actually stands for. So it just goes to show when you actually address people's issues, they respond. Shocking. Mm. (laughs) And I think it's really important, an important discussion because like in Canada, we're also going into an election next year provincially in Ontario. Uh-huh. Um, and then we're also going into a municipal election next year in Ottawa. And then the federal one in 2019. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got a whole bunch of elections coming up in Canada. Um, and the political discourse is a little wonky. Like, it's a little out of whack. I don't think it's real. I don't think it's being real. I don't think it's doing what exactly what you just described, which is somebody saw something in their neighborhood and decided to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So I was just on um, on CHUO, University of Ottawa Radio, Black on Black, and we were talking about activism and, and how it becomes... Like, how did you go... She asked me, how did you go from just, you know, being to having this podcast? And I said, honestly, we just got pissed off and decided to do something about it. <laughs> like, honestly, that's what it came down to. Our, we had a Facebook group, yeah. and we just increasingly got pissed off all the time. Exactly. And then we were like, you know what? This should be a podcast because we can't be the only ones pissed off, mm-hmm. right? And that's how, and that's what grassroots is. It's not about being like... Um, anti this or anti that or it's not defined by a set of values so to speak it's just actually being responsive to your community yeah um i was listening to an episode of ironically again pod save america and they did A Q&A at the end of the session because it was a live recording um similar to the one that i went to and one of the questions was oh well you guys are are liberal and progressive and your audience is liberal and progressive so how do you feel about like only talking to people who are within your bubble? Mm-hmm. And their response was, well, we, we recognize and acknowledge that we're talking to people within our bubble, but we also feel that by having these discussions and reaching such a large audience, we're in, informing people about what's taking place, and that is making them fired up to get involved in politics and for the first time, a lot of people in their lives. And that is actually, you can see that happening in what happened in in Virginia and Mm -hmm. across the States last week. Mm -hmm. And I think there's, um, we each have to reach out to our communities. Um, 
you have a community. I don't care who you are. Yep. You have some sort of community. Yep. I don't care if it's at your workplace or wherever. You know, obviously, the more things you get involved in, the larger your community. We all have an influence within that that structure. If you don't, I would suggest you get a new community. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? But, at, you know, I... What... First, you get... I don't want to say popular because it makes it sound like a popularity contest, but first you get recognized within your community and then you can go out. Sure. And then you become more mainstream. You create some social um, currency with people. Exactly. Exactly. And so going back to politics in Canada, I find that what you're seeing in the States is wonderful. Like mm-hmm. the fact that the ordinary person is getting out and saying, fuck this shit, I'm pissed off and now I want to do something about it, you're not seeing the same in Canada. Yeah. And Canadian politics is still being um, sort of, it's like the people who are most active are the elite still. Yep. And what do they know about what's happening as, you know, to the ordinary Canadian? When will our grassroots start building? Because... Canadian politics isn't salacious enough. It's we are so obsessed still with American politics because it's so dramatic. It's so salacious. There's so much scandal and intrigue. And here we're like, oh, Justin Trudeau, you know, he dressed up as Superman for Halloween. Cool. But nobody's like. This is the thing. We just had, if you know, last weekend the star had had splashed over this the Paradise Papers thing with Trudeau, and I'm just like, where's the reaction? We, where's well, the reaction? We're like, yeah. you're telling me that nobody's pissed off enough to be like, do what they did with the Tea Party. People yeah. got pissed off and started marching on Capitol Hill. People get pissed off here and they're like, oh, well, it just, it, there's a lot of apathy and there's a lot of, um, well, that's just the way it is. And I, you know, I want to punch people like that in the face. I Mm -hmm. really do. Because I'm just like, you're the reason we're in this mess. Yeah. This complicity, this silence that just pervades our culture in Canada really irks me. I just, I can't. I I just, I can't. And then when you're the strong one and you're the one who speaks out, everybody just expects you to do all the speaking for them. Yeah. Nobody wants to have skin in the game. And I'm like, no change comes from you not having skin in the game. I love that you said that. I want to put a pin in that for later later in the episode for that exact thought. Okay. Um, But I think we're going to switch gears here. Um, Talking about like elections and the value of... Um, the grassroots and supporting progressive candidates at all levels of government. Um, When people like that turn out to vote, they win elections. And that means that having progressive government, you can act in a progressive agenda. Mm -hmm. Um, So one important policy area in the U.S. that would have been, well, I don't want to say priority, but for lack of a better word, priority, if Hillary Clinton had won in 2016, is criminal justice reform. Yes. Um... And so last week, Philly rapper and Drake nemesis, uh, (laughs) Meek Mill, received a two to four year prison sentence for violating his probation stemming from 2008, uh, when he was 21, on charges of weapons and drugs. Um, The two incidences that prompted this hearing 
uh, were an assault at the airport, which could just be something minor like him pushing someone out of the way, um, and a reckless driving charge for riding his dirt bike in New York City. Which, uh, I thought that was a fuck. load of shit. I um, was just like, really? And both of those charges had been dropped. So um, what, why is he in jail? And the the district, the assistant district attorney of um, of uh, Pennsylvania um, and Meek Mill's probation officer both recommended against jail time. And yet here he is getting a two to four year prison sentence. Um, and it's just a great example of how the criminal justice system is broken and built to disenfranchise black people, other people of color and people in and less than ideal situations. And he's Meek Mill. Yeah. So can you imagine if he weren't like at all, he was a nobody Yep. and broke? Yep. Isn't that the problem that they're having? Isn't that why the suicides are up? Isn't mm-hmm. that why? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not even saying the states anymore because I yeah. can't. Yeah, I can't because Ottawa Detention Center is yeah. one of the worst in the country. Sure. So, and didn't Edmonton just build a new one that was supposed to be state of the art? I we had talked about this I on know. another one, on another episode, and it's shitty because there's a lot of fights. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of that. So. My question is, um, obviously, it's not working. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do about it? And to be honest, a weapons charge from 2008, really? Yeah. It's 2017. It? Yeah, it's a long probation. I'm just like, even Jay-Z, I got to say. like even Jay-Z, Jay-Z was pissed about this. Jay-Z was pissed. And I was just like, hmm, I hope he goes into like some sort of criminal justice reform yeah. type thing yeah i was um listening to a podcast this morning i do a lot of this um and they were talking about how at university of pennsylvania they were um they had a session or discussion on how to provide like hospitable care and hospice care for people who have life sentences and are going to die in prison like we're not even like people who are spending life sentences particularly i guess in pennsylvania in this case they are worth eighty thousand dollars to the system in terms of in terms of how much it takes it costs to imprison them okay a year a year okay okay hmm like that's more money than a lot of people i know make it's a lot yeah and the the problem with private prisons is that is that um, they're going to try and recoup those costs. Yep. Right? They're going to try and make. That's not even necessarily somehow. in a private prison. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about like the in, there's a disincentive towards humanity. Sure, <laughs> is my point. Yeah, uh, because it, it costs. Well, yeah. In the states, the Thirteenth Amendment um, basically says that you can be considered a slave in prison. You're an economic slave. Fuck, yeah. That's why they have the chain gangs. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Yeah. To do... I mean, I can't even imagine... You know what? <sighs> so tough on crime doesn't work. <laughs> it's just another way to disenfranchise people of color. It's not even funny. Yeah. It's like, I feel like this. this. this is not even an argument anymore. It's more like... It, can, it continues the cycle because you've got one or both parents in prison and there's young children. They go into the 
foster care system. As soon as white people start getting hit with that, that's when they're going to do something. Yeah. Well, exactly the same as with opioids. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right? I, I've, I'm noting, I am noting, by the way, um, Canada's <laughs> response to the opioid ap- epidemic, and I'm like... But you know what? There there were lots of drugs before. Oh, right. In Native communities. And black well, communities. in Vancouver on the downtown east side. Yeah. But they're all homeless and like indigenous. Yeah. So, so they don't matter. I get it. Yeah. yeah. The poorest neighborhood in like... They're not even trying to be like... They're not even trying to be funny. I'm, I just like... I can't even. It's yeah. just like... Oh. So, you know, topics and policy issues like criminal justice reform in Canada, in the States, in any sort of Western country, it's important that you go to vote because it matters in the policies. Um, And as like both Bailey and I, we're criminology majors. Were you guys criminology majors? Yeah. Yeah. So took a lot of restorative justice classes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Tough on crime doesn't work. Didn't work in the 80s. Didn't work in the 70s. It didn't work in the 90s. You know, this is your brain on drugs. None of that works. I was on LinkedIn. And, you know, you'd think that LinkedIn... Oh, yeah, they still send, you know, dick pics on LinkedIn after that. (laughs) You would think that LinkedIn would be full of people who are, like, a little smart. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, sure. (laughs) Sort of. I don't know. I guess it depends on how you're... Who you're, like... Circle is, <laughs> but whatever. I'm guessing that that like, it's mostly a professional network, right? Yeah. Okay. So there's this guy, so somebody's like, you know what? We should think about legalizing all drugs, right? You know, there's there's such and such data, data, data. This fool comes in and he's like, think of the children, and I'm like, your children are selling us weed. Okay. Yep. <laughs> First yep. of all. And then, but it's this tough on crime sort of, of approach. And I'm just like, dude, have you not been present the past 30 years and seen where that has gotten us? Do you want, do you want to know why your tax dollars are increasing? Yeah, that, that matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Policing matters. It costs. Yep. Yeah. Okay. What's our next one? Oh, next one. Well, actually... This is when you're going to get real fired up on. Yay. Um, So something that I'm almost certain has gone under the radar with most people um, is that the U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen uh, was recently or will be replaced in the new year once her term completes or once her, yeah, once she completes her term. Um, So the Federal Reserve is a U.S. central bank, much like the Bank of Canada, um, and Janet, Janet Yellen became the first woman to hold the position in 2013 under Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, the consensus from Democrats and Republicans is that her record in the role has been amazing. Uh, and President Trump has actually said that she's done a very good job. Um, during her tenure, she has um, had unemployment fall very sharply. Uh, in October of this year, it reached 4.1%, the lowest point since 2000. Um, inflation stayed subdued, wages began to rise again, and she managed a gradual start to the Fed's unwinding of its $4.5 trillion balance sheet. Um, But despite this, Trump has opted to not renew her term, breaking with years of tradition yet again. 
um, and replacing her will be someone who will very likely stay the course on her policies, um, but with considerably less experience and also a penis. So why does this matter? Uh, well, there's a growing concern that the number of female economists is very low, uh, with men outnumbering women in economy schools three to one. And women in economics are generally associated with words like lesbian, slut, hot, feminazi, marry, as in to get married, and dated. I'll tell you what's dated. Economics is dated as a whole. Well, you're the economist. Oh, God. Okay, so um, I left economics for a reason. And <laughs> this is exact. It is the one of the most racist and sexist disciplines on the planet um there is a saying in economics that economics progresses at the pace of an obituary (laughs) what yeah and those obituaries are of white men so i used to so i used to be an economist for the federal government i don't recommend it um the i worked at a place that was known for not promoting women It's a place, it's a discipline where women are routinely bullied and harassed, as I have been. Um, It is a discipline where male supremacy, white male supremacy rules. And it doesn't matter if it's in academia. It doesn't matter if it's in industry or government. It is basically one of the most sexist and racist disciplines that you could get yourself into. And it's not surprising to me that economists have no idea in terms of how to explain the economy that we're living in. When's the last time you heard an economist explain the economy we're actually living in? Uh, No, never. They always project out. They always project or they look at the past. And I'm like, bitch, we ain't there anymore better recognize like really and you know i mean now they're starting to talk about these sharing but i remember i I remember being at work and it was so fucking analog i can't even tell you these are the people i said social media they said what is that oh yeah and surprised and next thing you know they're like so i'm not surprised that you know, there, you know, when the discussions and the framing of the discussions are basically reflect the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a discipline that needs modernizing, modernizing hard. And the reason they're not modernizing is because they stick to the tenets of old white men. That's honestly the reason they're not modern, modernizing. They don't want they don't want new ideas. They want to hold on to the old ideas of past so that they can win their Nobel Peace Prize or the Nobel Prize Mm. or no. So they can be tenured. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's my rant on economics. And (laughs) I swear to God, if you're a woman of color, if you're a woman, don't bother just don't like take some econ courses so you understand yeah, it. But... Take some courses, but just move on to something else. Like honestly, because I would not recommend it to my worst enemy. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Um, what really, what I find really interesting about this move by Trump is that it's just like further, like yes, there's sexism in economics as a as a discipline. But, like, his move is entirely sexist. 
And it's, you know, we always talk about, oh, you know, men apply for jobs that they're not qualified for and women apply for jobs that they're overqualified for and very rarely jobs that they're, they only meet like seven to ten of the, the ten criteria. I'm going to start doing this now as an exactly. experiment. I, I do really it all should. the time. Do you? Yeah. For do like, you get you, like callbacks from places that you don't expect to? When you only meet the 70% or like, what's your experience? Uh, been? Well, my, my big thing that I apply for jobs on is like whether or not I'm bilingual. Cause I'm not bilingual. Well, that's the other thing. But I apply for jobs that require bilingualism because they have to test me. Ooh. But I can be put into a pool of applicants and sit there for one to two years. Yeah. Um, qualified at that level Mm -hmm. and then someone can just pluck me out in Mm -hmm. another job or I can use it for a justification for a promotion yeah yeah but I'm never gonna get on the bilingual thing well (laughs) you know bilingualism sorry uh for everybody who's listening this is English and French this is basically a bit inside baseball and I'm guessing we'll get to the harassment piece so this is a nice segue for the harassment piece um in the Canadian Federal Public Service, there is a requirement of bilingualism, English and French. Um, and this is administered through different courses and classes. And and um, it's a requirement if you want to get to management. So if you want to move up the scale in the Federal Public Service, you need French training if you're English or English training if you're a Francophone. Um a lot of the ways that management has used has been discriminatory towards staff is through the administering or the approval of French. Mm-hmm. And that is a specific way where you can outwardly discriminate around against people without it looking like discrimination because you could always claim that you're poor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way to hold people back. And so when you say I'm not about that, I get it. I'm like, mm. <laughs> it's left, it's left a bad taste in my mouth too. <laughs> well, I just have better things to do with my own personal time, like in the evenings, than learning well, I, French. Well, I feel that if bilingualism is a requirement, then them not any manager who does not um, approve it is de facto discriminating. Yeah. I don't care who you are. They shouldn't be allowed to say no, to be honest. But anyway, back to Trump. Trump, I feel like, I feel like this is just so matter of fact, him. Sexism is just so matter of fact. It doesn't even register. No, it doesn't. And so he's like, of course I'll get rid of her. She was that black guy's pick. And, yeah, and Ivanka's is like, oh, of course he supports women and promotes women and like... Yeah, ex- exactly, because Ivanka thinks we're all dumb because um, we can't put two and two together and come <laughs> up with her big fat zero. Um, but I, I feel as though it's just like, he's just so misogynistic by nature. Like, I can't even blame him for it. Anymore. I know! That's the sad thing. Is it's like, of this is You're not. Like, yeah, of that course. Seems right. Yeah, that seems right. Oh, 
a, a less qualified man, of course. Because why wouldn't you put a less qualified white male in a position of power? Because yeah. that's just how it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've seen that a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the, like, all the time. Um, as an aside, I saw a really funny tweet the other day about someone said, Oh, is Ivanka going to be um, America's first female president? And then oh. someone quote, and there was like linked to a story and I didn't read it. Because I, why would I read that? No. Because fuck off. Ain't nobody got time um, for that. But no. someone quote tweeted it and said, no, because of one, systemic sexism, two, she's deeply corrupt, and three, deeply stupid. Yeah. <laughs> she must think we're all stupid. I, I'm convinced. Isn't there another one of them, Tiffany or whatever? Tiffany's in law school at Georgetown. I have not seen her yet. I hate Georgetown. Come at me. Georgetown's the worst. Oh, what happened in Georgetown? It's just, Georgetown is like... The is main... it like the Glebe? Um, it's worse than that. Ew! By the way, the Glebe is a, is a place in Ottawa that is like gentrification central. And it's like with a, with like a bunch of gentrified people that just, oh, that think the world revolves around them. Anyway, shout out to the Glebe. Go. <laughs> shout out to Glebeites. <laughs> Um, no, Georgetown is like one like long main street, M street, and mm. it's, the sidewalk is very narrow and there's so many people and everyone walks slow, but it's the only like shopping district within the district of Columbia. <laughs> aside, aside from like, <laughs> aside from like a sorry ass Macy's downtown. Ew. Um, but like everyone goes there. It's all like rich white people. It would have to be. It, it's not. Mm. But, like, they have really good cupcakes there, so... Are they $3 a pop? They're, like, 5 <laughs> But they're so good. Georgetown Cupcakes love them. At least, at least it's not, like, people charging $3 here for cupcakes, and you're, like, why is this... Like, honestly, you could stone somebody with this yeah. cupcake. Yeah. Okay, no. Yeah, okay. So, Erica already teased our next topic. Yeah. Um, Earlier uh, this past week on Tuesday, November, I don't know the date, 14, no, that's not the was right it, one. Was it the 7th? The 7th. The 7th. Tuesday, November 7th, um, the Liberal government in Canada um, unveiled legislation aimed at giving workers and their employers a clear course of action to better deal with allegations of bullying, harassment, and sexual harassment exerting more pressure on companies to combat unacceptable behavior and punish those who do not take it seriously. The rules would, once they come into effect, apply to all federally regulated workplaces such as banks, telecom and transportation industries, uh, the Federal Public Service, um, and the, the banks, telecom, and transportation industries represent about 8% of the national labor force. I wish this was around when I was being bullied and harassed in the federal public service. And I say thank, thank you, liberals. I never thought I'd say this, but thank you. It, um, I just... The worst thing is the silence, right? It's, it's, it's this culture of damning people who speak out. By the way, I also want to say... Um, I like that this is a callback to your previous comment about this, and it's still, I want to put a pin in that. Oh, wait, what was my previous comment? When you talked about how in Canada we don't... Oh, yeah. Okay, we're going to save that. Yeah. 
but um, it, I remember saying once on 13, I think I was on 1310, I was like, we were talking about wine singing. And I said, and everybody's like, oh, we're so happy that everybody's coming out and saying stuff. And I'm like, really? So after they say it, what is there for them? What is the course of action? Mm-hmm. And what I want to see is action. Yep. I'm tired of talking about this. Mm-hmm. I've been talking about this since the beginning of the bloody podcast. <laughs> I want to see action. Yeah. So like this legislation is a result of a series, a consultation, and I think a series of roundtables held by the liberal government on sexual harassment. I wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> I actually don't know who they speak to. <laughs> I, th- thank you. These consultations, who do they speak to? I don't know. I don't, yeah. I think they're invited consultations, invitation only. It's not like a, a city budget consultation. Well, no wonder they get things so wrong. Yeah. Like, no, you need to have a more randomized consultation process. Yeah. Anyway, I'm digressing. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, so, I mean, it's good that they actually identified a problem did work on it and are now taking action. So there, however, given like the way legislation is passed in Canada, we don't expect these rules for these rules take into effect for another year or so, probably right before the election, right before the election, (laughs) which makes me wonder if they started it now, knowing that it would pass. The timing of the announcement is very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not the only one. I was happy. Yeah. My, I was elated Great at first. Great work. Interesting timing. Yes. I, yeah. It's, yeah. I wonder when it was actually on the docket for. Because nothing moves that quickly in government. No. It's not like somebody just like Weinstein came out and then somebody um, decided that, and then somebody wrote up a legislation and then, you know, was tabled. No. Like, this is legislation that's probably been worked on for at least a year, maybe? Yeah. It, if it was just by accident, it's very serendipitous. It is and not I, that serendipitous. I don't believe I, it. I'm just saying if. Yeah. Very lucky. Okay. Yeah. I don't believe that it is. <laughs> um, so, one more thing. Um, so, we're all familiar with the ongoing water crisis uh, in Flint, Michigan, where wa- lead levels in water are higher than that of a hazardous waste. Much like the levels of toxicity in the Rideau Canal here in Ottawa. Um, oh, yes, it's a contaminated site yeah, now. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, experts in Flint, or sorry, experts um, are now learning how serious some of the health implications are from the Flint crisis. Um, a recent paper found that the city's lead crisis may have sparked a drop in birth rates and yeah. a precipitous rise in miscarriages. Mm-hmm. Um, this research found that fertility or the birth rate declined by 12% among, amongst Flynn women and the fetal death rate increased by 58%. Yep. Um, the authors described uh, the difference as horrifyingly large, uh, but say that it's also likely an undercount because it doesn't include miscarriages that happen before the 20th week of gestation, which is when hospitals start counting miscarriages. Um, the problem often starts with housing segregation, uh, which creates pockets of housing that go without inspections or renovations. Um, this makes Flint yet another example of how the health of low-income communities of color can be damaged by the environment 
and by high-level policy decisions. Flint is a majority black city, according to the Washington Post, and the nation's poorest city. And that decision to switch um, providers? Uh, Was it the lead pipes? um, They 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 changed changed from... They changed the drinking water to, like, a river in Flint, Mm -hmm. which they knew was not safe uh-huh. and then were now they were received they were prosecuted for it i believe okay yeah so the republican <laughs> i'm not sure about the because from what i understood it was the republican governor that made that decision yeah i think so yeah yeah so anyway um so white republicans decide that black lives don't matter and then you wonder why we're saying black lives matter Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, we think of Black Lives Matter as just, like, don't shoot unarmed black people. Please. Please. (laughs) But it's actually, like, a larger, more systemic issue where policies, it's, well, white supremacy, um, where policies are just disproportionately affect black people Mm -hmm. and other people with similar circumstances. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of color. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, like, this is why voting at all levels of government... Matters! Yes. I will be saying that for a long time. Because housing policy, um, if you think uh, in the South, um, where there's a lot of farmland, um, a lot of communities of color, you know, where it gets very hot, can't have their windows open in the summer... And they don't have air conditioning because they live close to farmlands, which are being, which are sprayed with pesticides, oh. and the pesticides blow into these communities and right. gets into their lungs mm-hmm. and gives them asthma. But then they also can't afford to get the health care. Yep. Yeah. It's all downstream. Yeah. Every it's the butterfly effect. Yeah. Everything yeah. matters. Yeah. Yeah. Everything matters. I find it. Um, the, these things are a continuum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from housing... So the environment affects housing, or housing affects the environment, which affects health outcomes, mm-hmm. which affects... So this idea somehow that these issues are discrete is just missing the point, I think. Um, housing discrimination in America is as old as the hills. Yeah. And I believe even the current president's father or the current president of the United States was prosecuted for housing discrimination. I think it was his father, if I'm not mistaken. Even the Nixon government thought they were too racist. What does that tell you? (laughs) Wow. Oh, my gosh. War on drugs, Nixon. Okay. So, I mean, you know, the... The how where people live um, is is very much related to, of course, income and taxation and the money available for those services Mm -hmm. and tax policy matters and housing policy matters and all of this stuff matters. Environmental environmental policy is very important. I really do think that we should start moving towards, we should start taking urban planning more seriously as a nation and start building from from outside in instead of inside out Hmm. so that you can have sort of of, um, places of community Mm -hmm. 
to gather around. So instead of having like large swaths of Greenland between, say, a Kanata and like a, a Nepean right. in Ottawa, you have, instead of moving out, you're moving people more in. So you have like a larger density and like with that density, you can have services and people actually living around those services. Yeah. So it's like a town square, right? Yeah. Where you'd have everything or you'd have different things and, you know, you'd have your market and you'd have this and that and the other, depending on the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. The preferences would vary. Yeah. Um, and then like, and then like have like little town squares like that and have those, those communities and those housing built around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much, much like can, in Europe. Right. So we can actually walk places and bike places. We don't have to be reliant on the car. We don't have to worry about putting our life in danger. Yeah. As a pedestrian, as a cyclist. Well, that's the other thing oh, too, God. right? Because riding alongside that traffic is a problem. Oh, God. You know? Yeah. You know this. Yeah. You're cycly. <laughs> I sold my bike recently. Did you? Yeah. What? To an adorable little teenage boy. He's like 13. Oh, because I don't hadn't ridden in like over a year. Okay. Um, are I you... kind of downsized things. Are you? Yeah. Getting, ah. getting rid of things. So it like... It's easier to flee the city. Ah. <laughs> yes. There's a big smile on my face. <laughs> I understand that sentiment. Um, cool. I think we're going to switch right now over to a reader email. Um, we have... a Received a question from Jade. Um, so she writes, I'm a victim of sexual assault and I don't speak on it or really let people know that it's happened to me. Well, recently I've been hearing rumors of friends of mine or people that I know who have been accused of being an assaulter. Now, not ever taking sides, but I do believe that there are two sides to every story. I guess my question is, as a woman, I know that no means no. And I know, also know that people don't always hear that. I know that it doesn't make it okay for whatever the situation is. I think my question is, at what point does teasing turn into assault? Um, I just don't know, understand how some people are so quick to call assault assault when they know, knew what was going on, but then immediately regret the situation. Assault is a very serious accusation, and I think I'm just confused on the fact that I've been told uh, if I'm questioning something this serious that I'm not here for a woman when in fact this is not the case. Um, any immediate thoughts? When is teasing? What kind of teasing? What are we talking sexual about? Sexual teasing. Oh, that. <laughs> wow, I've never had to write things out for Erica so blatantly before. God, she's usually right there. I, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know which part we're at yet. I like, oh my gosh, this is such a continuum. Okay, where does it turn into assault? It doesn't always turn into assault. Right. What would Bailey say? <laughs> she would probably say at the point where you don't want it to happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think she would say that, and I think she said this on the dating podcast before, whenever we've talked about assault. Um, is that assault is in the eye of the victim or the survivor. 
whichever you want to, how you want to refer to them. That's right, which is which scares the shit out of men, by the way. Yeah. Because that means that they don't have control or power, yep. and they can be, like, accused of something. I, I love how they go on, like, this is some nebulous, like, little concept here. Mm-hmm. I, I This is the problem. Like, I feel like it's framed as this, oops, I did it again. Okay, Brittany. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's Brittany, I know. Bitch. it's Brittany, bitch. Um, but it's like the assault is framed as though it's sort of like the inevitability of of touching and teasing. Yeah, and it's not. Yeah, I think it's like whenever you feel that you are doing something that you don't want to be doing. Be right, because there's coercion too. Yeah, or you. Yeah, not. A, yeah, there's not coercion. Is I think very. Interesting because, like, it doesn't have to be overt. It's the gray area. It's, yeah, it's the, where you feel pressured. Like, that pressure is, like, social coercion without being actual. Mm-hmm. Which, in and of itself, is not a crime. Yeah. Um, the, I, you know, at the end of the day, I will say this. This is what a lot of dudes do. They will invite you over to their house mm-hmm. under seemingly like innocent, you know, <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs> and then, and then, and then when you're like, you know what? No, actually, I don't want to sleep with you. Yeah. They're like, why did you come over then? And I'm just like, sometimes I just want to fucking hang out. I just want to hang out. Why does there have to be? That's the question. Why is there an expectation of sex? Yeah. Why is there why is there the inevitable expectation of sex even if there is petting? Yeah. Why is that the expectation? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the question. Why do why do men feel entitled to tell you that you basically owe them sex because you went over to their house? The fuck did that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I think a good way to think about this is like drunk sex versus yeah. date rape. Okay. Um, I'm sure many, both of us, and I'm sure many of our listeners have had drunk sex before. Um, I think Bailey said lots of drunk sex. <laughs> <laughs> on one podcast, I was like, "This is so refreshing." And I was like, "I was like, same." Um, but I'm like, like, I've had my fair share. Yeah, and like, <laughs> in university, you like sleep with people that like you probably wouldn't sleep with one now or two no. when you were sober at the time. No, but like at the same time, you like consented. You, like, were willing, an enthusiastic consenter to that act. Yeah, and then you're like, mm. Um, but, like, it, like, if you don't feel weird about it, if you don't like, feel icky, like, I'm sure, like, regret is, like, different. Um, it's not the same. Yeah, but if you feel icky about it, then that's where it, like, crosses the line. But we don't trust women. No. So a man's in- instinct but is sacrosanct. Don't. A woman's instinct should be questioned and feared and prodded and, you know, because apparently we're all hysterical bitches who can't tell the difference. Yeah, we're the fucking worst. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah. So, Jade, what I'm saying is um, it becomes a problem when you don't want it to happen anymore and it keeps happening. Yeah, um, I think that if you... You, Jade, and anyone else listening um, knows people who are concerned about, one, their actions being considered assault, and two, have, like, knowingly committed assault, 
then um, I think there's a, a way to talk about that um, and maybe clarify what happened and why that could be viewed as assault by the, the victim or survivor. Um, I was recently listening to um, the Guys We Fucked podcast. I, I feel like I need to listen to this. It's good. Um, and they were talking about, they have a very large audience. And so they were like, if you raped people, email us because we want to understand why people do this. And so they, they, in one of their more recent episodes, I think in late October, they, they talked, they heard back from some people. Really? Um, yeah. It's, it's an entitlement thing. Oh yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, Power and entitlement are, are intertwined. Yeah, so... Or I guess entitlement comes from power. Yeah, so maybe and then you power. can help those guys kind of challenge their their entitlement and yeah. get them to become better. I, I do... Um, what I, she did say she was a victim of sexual assault. Yeah. I think that it would also be... Um, it would be actually that would be great to be honest because if she could be honest enough with them in terms of what she had gone through and then kind of have this exchange maybe there could be something mm-hmm. um but otherwise i don't like this idea that women oh well she just regretted having sex with you so that's yeah. why she's she's accusing you of sexual really yeah really I mean, I've had some questionable dick. Like, I really have. I mean, like, who has it? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, really? I mean, I mean, there was that time in Paris. You know what I mean? I'm so glad my parents aren't listening to random episodes anymore. So good. And I'm just like, I, I, like... I've been like, mm, I could have... De- Actually, my questionable dick has been overseas, coming to think of it. I thought you were going to say overseas, and oh. I was like, where did you seize it? Because that's Scottish. No. Um, <laughs> anyway. I'm listening. <laughs> I thought rolling R's would mean tongue, good with tongue. Oh. Apparently not. It does not translate. No. It doesn't. No. Anyway. Um... Anyway, I've never, ever been like, he raped me. Yeah. Like, really? I, I'm just like, that was some questionable, and it wasn't that good. And then you're just like, damn it, I wasted my time. Yeah. It's more like you're mad at yourself for wasting your time. Yeah. Then you're like, oh my gosh, he assaulted me. Like, how do you get there? If you there? think the decision was dumb, it's probably not assault. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I really do... I, I don't believe that women are just out there regretting, you know, questionable sex and just being like, rape! No, we know when it's weird. We know when it's been and a the, line crossed. And the reason that that is not taken seriously is because we don't trust women. Yep. Cool. Well, on that happy note. Yay! Thanks for writing in, Jade. You guys, if you have any other questions, hit us up. Badandbepod at gmail.com. Stay tuned.
All right, now we're moving on to rent and receipts, where we each bring a topic to discuss with the other. Z. TBD. TBD. I'm going to bring something for Erica. Erica's going to bring something for me. Yes, and for all of you, dear listeners. Erica, what do you have to educate me on today? <laughs> um, Being black on Bay Street. Oh, back to the economists? No. The bankers? No, God, them too. But anyway, um, to be honest, I'm, this happens everywhere in every industry. So, Hadia Roderick is a lawyer who left a Bay Street law firm uh, five years ago. And basically, who wrote an article in the Globe and Mail this week. Uh, which speaks to the augmented difficulties in being a black woman working in a corporate world. Mm. She is now working on her PhD at the University of Toronto. So obviously this is a very, very bright woman, Mm -hmm. bright young woman. Um, So I, I think one of the things I really, really, somebody sent this to me. Yeah. And then, you post, we posted it on the Bad and Bitchy Facebook page, mm-hmm. and then I reposted it on mine. And basically, I want to get people away from thinking that success is about merit, because it is not. It's about how well do you reflect the people around you, right? And how well do you, can you fit into them seamlessly? And what are those people around you? They're white and they're male, and they come from a specific section of society. Right, right. I'd forgotten because they're just so rare. Yeah, the 416 Rosedale community of Toronto, for example, or downtown Montreal, the 514s, or um, places like that where, where the elite rule and they... Well, the elite or K always Street do. in D.C. K Street in D.C. The financial district. Et cetera, et cetera. So basically fitting in is a euphemism for making yourself whiter. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and there are many ways that this kind of um, perpetuates itself. Yeah. So uh, one is the name. So she talks about being Hadia. <laughs> Hadja, you know, and how rhythmic it was Mm -hmm. and how beautiful her name was, but how basically she would have to whiten it to make herself more desirable. And then she, she quoted a statistic which said that black applicants whose names are whitened receive 2.5 times more callbacks. Wow. And that your achievements have to be whitened, even if they lessen you. So she was talking. I found this very, very poignant. So let's say, Aaron G., that you were um, president of the Canadian Asian Student Association. Sure. In university. Or in, yeah, in university. Yeah. Yeah. if you're in a place I would just like to make an aside that at SFU, which is where I went to university, um, the Student Association for Asians was called CAC. C-A-C. <laughs> really? Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> ha! So I'm not far off. I love it. I love it. Continue. Okay. So anyway, like, if you are trying to fit in, 
aka make yourself whiter, do you really want to highlight that even though you were president of a society, that it was a cultured society, mm -hmm. that it was a marginalized type of community, you know, um, right. position? Right. Right? Uh, yes. I would argue in this specific example that for an Asian, it wouldn't matter. Ooh. Because we're a desirable minority. The model minority. Okay. So. But you, but, but yeah, I take your point is that like, if you were to say you were the, you were the president of the black student union, yeah. or African. She said whatever. the black law students association and point out that I won the Harry Jerome scholarship. And I know Harry Jerome is a black man because yeah. the name Harry Jerome, really? Anyway, <laughs> or do I leave the content more meager but whiter. So yes. now you have to, now the trade-off is, do I dumb myself down to become more acceptable to white people? Yeah. And she goes on later to talk about um, being on the bus as a kid, as a four-year-old, mm -hmm. and reading this big paper. It might have been the Globe, it might have been the Star, or whatever. And the this white woman says, oh, isn't that paper a little big for you? And she <laughs> says, actually, I'm reading it. And she said her countenance just shifted. Yeah. Because, and this is very, very how Canada deals with racism, is that Canada is okay with you as a person of color, as long as you're not threatening to be equal to them. Say, as long as you're not threatening to be equal. That is white supremacy. Yes. So, and that's how Canada works. Mm -hmm. um, and she actually, she goes on to, to, um, to talk about intellect. She says, when I was a child, my father told me I could be anything I wanted if I put my mind to it. He always added a reminder that as a black person, I would have to be twice as good to be considered equal. How many times have you heard that? I know every person of color listening to this podcast right now will be like, sing it, sister, uh, and I will. Have you met the Obamas? Yeah. Right? 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 Yep. But I learned that other people don't like it when I'm twice as good and am the color I am. Sing it, sister. Yep. This is my life. People love when you're smart, just not smarter than them. Yeah, to be smart enough. Yes. And then they're like, oh, yay, good little Negro. And then they're like, don't use Negro people. I'm <laughs> using my privilege to use this word to make a point. Anyway, context is everything. Um, but, but they pat you on the head. They're like, oh, you're a model minority that we like. But ask me, when was the last time you, like, I can't remember the last time I saw an Asian woman or an Asian man in a senior, senior position of authority in the sense of um, where they are making the decisions. Middle management, yes. Yeah. But in terms of your top tier, yeah. like, um, for example, executive members yeah. in Canada, I struggle. Even though... Yeah, there are a handful. They're, even though... But you have to look. They're doing better than the white majority. Yeah. So tell me why that plays out that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so anyway, um, which goes back to your model minority point, yeah. that even as a model minority, you're still not getting that return yeah. that a white person would get working as having what you have, well, this is exactly the achievements what, that you've this made. This is exactly the thing with Janet Yellen. 
Right. You know, those white men mm-hmm. only meet 70, 80, 70% to 80% of the criteria, and yet they're getting the jobs. What a bunch of dumb dicks. Okay. Anyway, um, so she goes on to say, she talks about physical appearance. Mm-hmm. So black women all, often get disciplined if they wear their natural hair. I actually saw a tweet about this the other day. There was a woman who got sent home from work because she was wearing her short natural hair. Looked awesome. I was like, oh, fuck. I wish my hair would do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and she was like, the fuck is this bullshit? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's discriminatory. It was still tidy. It wasn't messy. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. There are some white people who, like, don't They roll the fuck out of bed and go to work. They put That's on all they do. Fucking Lululemons. I know. I don't even know if they put on deodorant. Oh, I just, shit, I'm just yeah. like, uh. Yeah. Like, you can't pull a comb through your hair. Really? It's that. Are you off conditioner? I don't understand the problem. Okay. So, so she says... So then with black women, straightening our hair is a big political issue. It's a socioeconomic issue. It's all this. Yeah. So talked about the politics of hair. I've talked about the politics of hair. I, what she's saying is I didn't want to work for a firm that wouldn't want me as I am, but I knew this principle came, would, might come at a cost. After all, I'd never met a black lawyer with natural hair and that sentence, I had to stop reading the article and be like, <laughs> have I? And then I'm like, no. You know what? You know, for all she's done for people of color on TV, Olivia Pope still straightens her hair. I know. I did see that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Although, I will say, in How to Get Away with Murder, Viola Davis does wear her natural hair from time to time. Yeah, and but it's, it's a always a statement but it's always associated when she's not doing so well Well, that's the thing that okay okay thank you i you just took the words out of my head because when olivia had her natural hair was when she, she was kidnapped yeah and she was like it was she was in she was in suboptimal yeah. circumstances yeah it's like like she's hit rock bottom kind of thing yeah. and then the natural hair comes out and i feel like that's the same with viola davis yeah. so we still have a long way to go yeah in terms of showing women of color or black women natural hair and just being frolicking carefree in wherever. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she did have her natural hair when she was on the beach with Jake. Oh, that's right. Yes. When everything was honky-dory. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. That was quick and didn't last very long. We we know. By the way, what happened to... Anyway. Uh... (laughs) And another episode of Suspect. By the way, as a segue, this is not really a segue. And aside, Ira Madison Uh-oh. is getting a new podcast. I know. I can't I'm so wait. Excited. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. It's called Keep, Keep It. it. Oh. oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Whenever he's been on with friends like these, with Anna Marie Cox. Cox. I always want to say Tremonti because I'm Canadian. <laughs> oh, Ira Madison III is fucking great. If yeah. you don't follow him on on uh, Twitter, you're missing out. But he's going to be having a new podcast. Real stoked. Yeah, I, I'm stoked. At Ira. Like, that's it. His yeah. name is Ira. Yeah. He also writes for GQ right he now. He does. And the Daily and Beast. And the Daily Beast. And 
Okay. Yeah, and Those he's getting a pup. Things. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I'm super excited. Anyway, back to... So Ira Madison actually wrote something on being gay and and being at work and how being gay is like a black gay man is in itself an act of resistance yeah. and just going through work and so on and so forth. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm going to continue your aside here. I find it absolutely fascinating that one of the U.S.'s preeminent black activists, Jeray McKesson, is gay. It would never happen in Canada. No, but he's so wonderful and so smart. I know. I tweeted him when uh, before I went to the DC Pod Save America show, and I was like, are you going to be on the DC show? He's like, replied back. He's like, no, I'm doing Philly. He replied. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I love you. Oh, <laughs> yay. Somebody, somebody like, anyway, whatever. Somebody, I got a favorite from so I was like so excited, and I'm like, but it's not a retweet. Yo, I'm so extra. I'm you know just what? Like, I feel you. I'm like, there are levels to this shit. Yeah. And a favorite is the lowest level. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Better than nothing. It is better than nothing. It means I matter. <laughs> uh, okay, so those are my rent. That's my rent receipts. Um, I encourage you to uh, read the piece. It is, I mean, it's so funny because so many people were like, the comments on on my feed were like this was eye opening, and I'm like, really? Because this is exactly yeah. that piece is my life. Yeah. It exactly when she was talking about her dad telling her, "Yeah, you're smart, but they don't like you smarter than them." Is exactly like I remember having that conversation, <laughs> and I remember that playing out. I remember when she was a when her elementary school said that she was she had intellectual issues because in other words, she was dumb mm -hmm. because she pretended to read while the other kids were learning. And it was like, no, she actually knows how to read. That story happened to me yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. And I ended up testing amongst like the top whatever in the country. And, but they tried to tell my parents that I was like mentally slow Ugh. and tried to shepherd me into into some like remedial program. Yeah. So when I see stats in Ontario that Ontario teachers try to shepherd kids into remedial programs, I know that's real because it happened. It tried. They tried to do it to me. It's just yeah. that my parents were taking that shit. Yeah. <laughs> and if your parents aren't the type, to, if they're if they're trusting of the, those authorities, they've just fucked you over. Yeah. For life. Yeah. Anyway. Ugh. So that's when things be become structural. Okay, yeah. I'm done. Cool. So this week, um, mine's, mine's part rant, um, part not rant. Um, so we all know that I have a, have a real hate on for Lauren Duca, columnist for Teen she, Vogue. She's your Taylor Swift, man. Fuck. Yeah, but Taylor Swift doesn't, like, DM me and, like, Asking for my validation. That's true. Um, anyway. She just does that on mass. <laughs> yes. Um, so the other night, uh, Lauren Duca quote tweeted someone asking her for advice. So the tweet was from this girl named Alex. It said, 
I went to my first Emily's List event tonight and felt underdressed. What essential? What are essentials for a political cocktail hour look? So for those of you who don't know, Emily's List um, is an organization that in the states that moves their mission is to elect pro-choice Democratic women to office. So they you kind of get they like help back you and you know lift you up. Um, and so Lauren Duca quote tweets this and says. Essential accessories for a political cocktail hour include rigorously informed opinions and a giant glass of red wine. Except that's not what Alex asked. Okay. Is she trying to be funny? She was trying to be funny. That's her big thing is like Twitter is a place for her to be funny. She's not funny though. No, she's not not witty either. No. Um, She needs some self-awareness. She just came off as a petty bitch from this girl who clearly looks up to her in some way. Right. And she had no, couldn't recognize this and was just passed this off as, as dumb, as a dumb question. Oh, I see. Okay. Carry on. Um, and didn't answer her question, which is actually a good question. Um, so I replied to her and I was like, well, here's some actual advice. Like, uh, you can, you know, a, a skirt, or a dress, or the blouse, maybe a blazer or a sweater. You had some good, like, you said blazer, you said pant, like, slacks. S- s- like slacks or a skirt, yeah. and a blouse, and I think you said, said flats s- or, or low heels or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I said smart shoes. Yeah. So not flip-flops, yeah. not sandals, probably, because it's I actually October think you said or November. Flats. I said flats or heels. Or heels. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is this is so... I should retweet this. And I think I did. Um, and she was like, oh, like, she was actually very appreciative of the response. She was like, thank you. Um, I work in an arts institution, and it's very laid back. Yeah, so she doesn't know what the appropriate attire is. Yeah, basically. so then I replied, okay. and I was like cool like you know generally arts people don't make tons of money and i was like you know what if you don't know if this is the environment for you either you can buy secondhand you can you know buy something that you would wear to your normal office like a long kind of three-quarter length dress and like layer something over top and put a blazer over top like you can work with things and think you just have to think about things differently yeah um but yeah, the fact that like Lauren Duca refused to like provide an actual helpful response for someone who is very interested in doing something that's important in her community. No, but it's all about her. Well, yes, that's the that's the thing. Like, I I find that in this in this space, this social awareness, social justice space, attracts some pretty big egos. Lauren Duca is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I find her pithy at times. I find her. I find that she only responds to white women. Yes. Who who message who who tweet her? Yes. She never responds to anybody darker than a certain hue. No, this is actually true. Like this is her true. Men- I look through yeah. her tweets. Yeah. Yeah. So it it makes me wonder. Um, I, you know, and through that, I question her, her intersectionality. Let's say. I told, I told her she's not intersectional. She's not. She's a white feminist. Um, along with Rose McGowan, who I've, who I have a similar issue with. 
<laughs> yeah, I know she's everybody's. Like we're talking, but what we're talking about is everybody's darlings, right? Yeah. We're talking about current feminist darlings. Yeah. So let me like try and frame what I'm saying in such a way that I am not here to pick on women, but I'm not here to treat them with kid gloves because they are women. No, I'm going to call their bullshit yeah. when they try to and say that they're standing for something that they're not actually Exactly. For. And that, I just want to clear that up <laughs> because, you know, I, I'm not here for the Madeline Albright women who don't support women deserve a place in hell. I'm like, fuck you. I guess I'll be, I guess I'll be eating popsicles on the way there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Since I'm off sugar. Um, <laughs> Like, fuck you. How about we support women who have similar values? How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I see a lot of women using this, we are women, hear me, roar trope, and they're full of shit. Yeah. And when I say they're full of shit, when things like a Carmichael sort of story come out that we wrote about in The Citizen, their first instinct is to question the woman, the women, because yes. it's usually by the time it hits the news, it's usually multiple women who have made complaints. Yeah. And it's and I'm just like, where's your feminism? Mm-hmm. Where's your women helping women? Yeah. I'm not here for this bullshit branding. Yeah. And I see a lot of bullshit branding. That's all my thing. Yeah. And she's a bullshit brander. And yeah. that's what irritates me, because what is so like awful and cynical about it is that you use people's pain to further your own goals. Oh my God. That makes me sick. Okay. Yeah. She's done that so many times. Anyway, let's move on. Just saying (laughs) I'm with you with the Lauren Duca thing. I think she's one of those white women who will only speak to other white women and she won't speak to the help who is me and the rest of us. And I feel like, um, yeah, she's a fraud. Yeah. She's a big fraud. I'm, I'm, I'm here for this, actually. I'm here for the Lauren Duca dragging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I drag Taylor Swift enough. It's getting boring now. Because I feel like her new... She's just actively not in trying. Yeah. And her new album, like, I feel like all, like, the entertainment industry is making more of a big deal about it than people who are actually listening to music. Yeah. Because what was somebody saying? Like water was have you heard that new Eminem song? Yeah. It's awful. Beyonce sounds great. She always sounds great. Yeah. She does sound like she's kind of in another room at an oh like it doesn't sound like they recorded it together. No, she there's a Beyonce only version. Yeah. Oh I'm sure. I think I'll listen to that version. Yeah. Because I don't know what's with Eminem and his rapping lately, but eh, cringy. Yeah. A bit cringy. Uh, ready to move on? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Or else I'll talk about some mother something. And now on to our misogynist of the week. Um, I think this is kind of a broader topic. Um, I think we're going to talk about the fucking shitstorm of sexual harassment and assault allegations across Can the you entertainment. The entertainment industry? Uh, no. No, there were like three more came out overnight. Who? Uh, well, there mo- I think, well, George Takai was one of them. Yes. Dude. So... I was like, oh. Uh, ooh, are we going to talk about problematic faves? Sure, we can talk about problematic okay. faves. Because I swear, like, obviously, your problematic faves are... 
the problem. But anyway, um, somebody asked me about this. Somebody messaged me on Facebook about this. Great. So, yeah, I mean, this week the big story was Louis C.K. Oh. Uh, Louis C.K., giant fuckhead. I will appreciate that he owned up to it. His apology. Well, one, was an apology because he didn't apologize. But two, I, I will say I appreciate him being like, yep, this is true. I was a fucking I idiot. did appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate it. What a contrast, eh? If you look at Kevin Spacey throwing the LGBTQ under the bus. Yeah. That was disgusting. Yeah, it was really bad. It was really bad. He basically conflated homosexuality with, what's the word I'm looking for? Pedophilia? Pedophilia, which is which is an old trope too, right? Um, but the other actually big one this week, and I'm not sure that it's hit many of many Canadian listeners, um, is the Alabama Senate oh, candidate. Sorry, the Alabama candidate for the U.S. Senate, uh, Roy Moore, who's a judge in Alabama. He's That's a Republican the- candidate for fucking the U.S. Senate accused by four women of basically sexual misconduct while they were teenagers and he was in his 30s. The youngest of which was 14 at the time. She was 14, he was 32. It, and she was with her mother at the courthouse waiting for her mother who was at a custody hearing for her. Seriously? Yes! Ew! Ew! Ew. Yeah. And now Republicans are like, it's not that bad. The Republican response has been pretty disgusting. I saw a tweet this morning that talked about um, a principal from a middle school saying, you know what, this happened over 30 years ago. Can we really judge someone by something that happened 30 years ago? Um, Yeah, one, yeah, you fucking can. Two, if he wanted to be... You know, a teacher at your school, I'm sure it would matter. But because he's going to the Senate, it doesn't matter. Uh, actually, yeah, it does. It still matters. It's, I, I can't even, I just, okay. I'm going through my Twitter. Because I knew this would come up. And I'm just like, now I'm going to call names. Okay. <clears throat> GOP State Representative Ed Henry thinks that we should prosecute the victims of Roy Moore's sexual assault because they did not come forward sooner. And this is a tweet by Renato Mariotti, who actually links this to a piece. Um, That's so fucking dumb. Yeah, there's more. Um, Anyway, basically... The GOP has decided that Roy Moore. Oh my gosh! You know Daniel Dale? Yeah, the dude from the Toronto Star. Yeah, yeah I, from know, the, I know. Yeah, yeah. I actually know Daniel Dale. Y- you actually? Of course you do. He lives in DC. Of course you do. Yeah. Because you okay? <laughs> anyway, he said he tweeted that Roy Moore is fundraising fundraising off this story. Yeah. He's like. This is the email. Tammy. Okay. One of the names. So one of the names. The Obama-Clinton 
Machine's liberal media lapdogs just launched the most vicious and nasty round of attacks against me I've ever faced. I won't get into the details of their filthy and sleazy attacks. I refuse to repeat their lies. Tammy, the forces of evil are on the march in our country. And basically, what he's, he's using this whole story to fill his coffers. Yeah. The GOP. Yeah. The party of family values. Yeah. The party only gives a shit about kids when they're in the womb. Meanwhile, Anthony Weiner just reported to prison for text messaging sexual images to a minor. Like, I'm sorry, there's a difference between text messaging and, you know, kissing and touching and exposing yourself to a teenager. Yes, because we're just assuming that Anthony Weiner would have reached there eventually. But at this at this point in time, I just, you know what, sexual abuse of children is the one thing that, like, should be the line. Like, literally makes my skin crawl. It It like literally makes me want. It should be the line where, like, we don't even have to discuss this. And just like we should never discuss Nazis, but here we are. Mm. So why? So Mitt Romney. Decided to tweet that this was wrong. Basically, all he did was say, you know, this is wrong. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's being praised for it. And I'm like, really? Our standards are that low, Aaron? I know. Basically, the bar is so low for the Republican Party right now that if you even remotely agree with someone with progressive values, regardless of the topic, you're praised. I can't wait to see them burn in a big flaming pile of trash. And I'm not saying that the Democrats are great. They're not. They're not even good. Like, I think, like, they're a little bit too, there's still too much. There's too much of that central right Democratic Clinton-esque Democrats that that are hawkish on foreign policy. They call them moderate centrists. They're not centrist. They call them centrists. I know they do. That are like linking up with um, the Republican establishment Mm -hmm. and they look like the adults in the room and there's something wrong with that. That they are the adults in the room. You know, remember Joe Lieberman got rid of the public option in Obamacare? Yeah. Yeah. Assholes like him. Yes. Now Joe Lieberman looks like he's like sane and that's just... That that's the bar. Yeah. It's like you just have to look like you could string a couple sentences together. Yeah. I hate Joe Lieberman, by the way. <laughs> I have a I have like a twenty year hate on for Joe Lieberman, like I did for who else did I hate for twenty years? A lot of people. I think Justin. No, Justin Timberlake was ten years. Oh, fuck uh, Justin Timberlake. No, it was 13. Fuck Justin Timberlake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we wanted to talk about problematic faves. Right. So, problematic faves. Everyone is a problematic fave. Listen, your fave is problematic in some way, shape, or form. If your, I fave, don't know. If your fave is Justin Trudeau, I can assure you he's problematic. <laughs> Did you see? You should read some French media. It'll tell you how he's problematic. <laughs> 
I've heard things about him. Oh, we've heard the same things. We have heard the same. Okay, I'm not saying it because I don't want to be, you know, whatever. I'm sure cabinet's really, really awkward sometimes. Isn't it? Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, but apparently he didn't turn on his Google alerts or his Google calendar to tell him where the TPP <laughs> like meeting was that he was supposed to attend. Yeah, and he missed the meeting, and everybody was waiting for him. And he's like, "Oops, I just couldn't find it," or like, "I couldn't." And we we're all like, "Yeah, dude, yeah. like, dude." Yeah. Anyway, problematic things. <laughs> so, um, like Kevin Spacey was a fave of mine. Ed Westwick from Gossip Girl loved him. He's got two rape allegations this week. Ed Westwick. I just watched his new show, like season one, and it was great. He was oh, great. No. He was great in it. And I'm just like, what do I do? Okay. So I got a message and I was just like, and somebody asked me basically how I can listen to hip hop. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of hip hop. This is a typical conservative argument is like, how can you listen to hip hop? It uses bad language and like they talk about drugs and hoes and rape and whatever. Well, they're not defending child molesters, are they? Okay, so they're already better than the Republic. Well, or Kelly. I don't know if he was defended. Fair. <laughs> Fine. Like, like the lyrics don't defend R. Kelly. No, no, R. Kelly <laughs> is indefensible. Sure. Okay, and and thankfully, black feminism has taken up the cause and been like, fuck this shit. Thank you. Okay, so R. Kelly. Okay, now... They're already doing better than the Republican Party at this point. So I feel like this question is moot right now. <laughs> like, really. But anyway, I will say this. Um, I listen to a lot of, like, hard hip-hop-esque. I mean, I love it. I love it. And all the N-words and everything. Like... I was actually playing music and like, like dude was there and I was just like, and you, like all the N words came out and I'm like, oh, this is what people talk about. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and basically we have these conversations about what's allowed and what's not allowed yeah. and what he can and can't say and so on and so forth. But... I also recognize that the things that we're talking about on this podcast can Mm -hmm. only be listened, like, at least the racial element to it will only be heard in hip hop. I started listening to hip hop because it explained my reality better than any other genre of music. I have issues with the misogyny of, of hip hop, sure. But honestly, if I were to take off songs because of their misogynistic nature, I'd be listening to like Feist all the time. I can barely listen to I Feist. can I can't period. I can't do her no. Like I would be listening to classical. And even they're problematic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know who had uh got railed in in the media this week for a dumb song? Who? Everyone Eminem? <laughs> no. Um, but, uh, your problematic fave, Keith Urban, wrote, oh. wrote a song called Female, um, 
about kind of all of the, the things that have been happening in the media with women. Is is he is he our social commenter commentator or oh, what? Oh hold on. The first verse of female reads When you hear somebody say somebody hits like a girl, how does that hit you? Is that such a bad thing? When you hear a song they played saying you run the world, do you believe it? Will you live to see it? Who's he talking to? Hold on. Verse two. Oh God, there's two verses. When somebody <laughs>, laughs and implies that she asked for it just because she was wearing a skirt. Now is that how it works? When somebody talks about how it was Adam first, does that make you second best? Or did he save the best for last? The chorus. The chorus. The look on my face right now is... Absolute disbelief. <laughs> I'm like... And confusion. I'm confused. Slash disgust. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. The chorus. Sister. Oh. Shoulder. <laughs> daughter. <laughs> lover. This is the music I'm relegated over oh Healer. Oh. Broken halo. Mother nature. Fire. Suit of armor. Soul survivor. Holy water. Secret keeper. Fortune teller. Virgin Mary. Scarlet letter. Technicolor river wild. What the fuck was that? What was Technicolor? Baby girl. Woman shine. Female. <laughs> oh my god. Why am I? Like I just song, lost. Like the song's not problematic, but like. <laughs> like there are pieces of that song where I'm like. Virgin Mary. <laughs> like, what are you trying to say, dude? Um, yeah, anyway, something I want to talk about for this, like, misogynist of the week is... Are we at the point where we can say, yes, all men? Oh. <laughs> like, are we there yet? Okay. Flair Magazine... Yeah. ...actually put out something that I thought was, you know, useful... I know. Well, See, there's what a concept. We're, there's redemption for everybody. Okay. So, Flair Magazine put out um, a, a piece this week about problematic versus problems. I don't know. It was it was kind of... I get what she was saying, but I thought it, it kind of missed a couple of points. But anyway, I get what she was saying. And, and basically what she's saying is that, look, oh, yeah, yeah. people are imperfect yeah. by nature and what i would like to add the things that make your favorites favorites the music that they make come from somewhere yeah and it usually doesn't come from a bright happy place yeah or else we'd all be singing folk songs like keith urban yeah. okay there's a reason that music sucks yeah. And other music doesn't look at look at every. It sucks because he's trying to talk about something he has no experience with. Exactly, exactly. Remember, remember every breath you take, the stalker song, and everyone's like, "Wait a minute, yeah, that's a stalker song." Yeah. Does that mean that Sting is a stalker? No. Does it mean he's problematic? He had problematic lyrics. Yeah. Nah, who doesn't? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just. I do not want to put the expectation of perfection because we will all be 
disappointed in somebody. We yeah, we always we idolize someone and put them on a pedestal. That's right. We're bound to be disappointed in them at some point. I like The yep. Godfather. I love The Godfather movie. There is a piece in there where they talk about about the um, the the um, the animal, the nigger animals, and basically reduce black people to to animals. And there's this whole discussion about it. Same with Goodfellas. Love that movie too. Do I find that problematic? Fuck yeah. Do I still like the movie? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Because number one, I have bigger fish to fry than to police other people's language. Yeah. Except when they're describing something that, except when they're talking about an issue that requires certain language, right? So if you're like a man who is a self-proclaimed feminist, but you use problematic language, then yes, I, I do agree. But we also have to understand that people are a product of their times. Sure. And I'm not going to have the same same expectation for a 75-year-old British woman who wraps herself in her bigotry and as I would for a 25-year-old Canadian girl. Sure. Or That's woman. actually good advice before pe- uh, people in America go home to their families for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Don't try to fight with your 80-year-old grandma or grandpa. They're almost dead anyway. Like, just let it go. You're not going to convince them. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Um, This column in The Guardian talks about um, a tweet or, yeah, a tweet that someone posted that said, the inability to distinguish hand-on-knee slash sleazebag behavior from rape slash serious intimidation is a is typical of ideological aka metropolitan thinking. I'm sorry. It sounds I I what? you know what I heard of when I heard metropolitan thinking? I heard uppity urban bitches. That's what I heard. Yeah. Uppity urban bitches who got an education now they think they can run shit. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, that's my So name. so so what? He thinks that we should just like what? That that because we've become we've become liberated, we now think that we don't. That is exactly what uppity is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, he just that, called like, women uppity. That like outside of metropolitan areas, it's okay to be lecherous and assaulting and harassing of women. I would say in metropolitan areas, obviously. Yeah. Um. But also, like things that I've been seeing on the internet, particularly a couple weeks ago, is that. Um, so many men online in columns and op-eds have been talking about things like, well, you know what, we're just going to, for a solution for all of the sexual harassment in workplaces, if we have no doors on offices or meeting rooms, then nothing can go on because there's no doors to hide behind. That is such a corporate approach. Okay. So basically what you're saying is men can't be trusted. Men can be trusted. It's in I do agree with that. Yes, oh, all yeah. men. <laughs> like seriously, like these and like, these are guys who who are like, oh, you came over to my house, you owe me sex, and it's just like, <laughs> no, yeah, I barely owe you my attention. <laughs> and this is the thing. Like, I want to kind of like get through to women. Yeah. It's like you don't. 
owe somebody your body. Yeah. Like, there is no sort of, there's no situation out there where you owe somebody your body. Yeah. Like, where, where, which, listen, readers, listeners, if you can come up with a situation, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Is this, I yeah. probably wouldn't, but you know. Women are just like, in generally, in general, just not valued as much mm-hmm. as men in society. And like, if you think about how the response to Kevin Spacey, the Kevin Spacey allegations um, versus all of the allegations against any other prominent man recently, like Kevin Spacey was in a movie that was supposed is is going to be coming out on December 22nd. And the cast and the director decided that they are going to recast that role and reshoot every single scene and edit it and get it into production for a release date in five to six weeks, which is insane. Meanwhile... Is that the new Ridley Scott movie? Yeah. Mm. Meanwhile, what are they doing with all of the other... You know, Why isn't Harvey Weinstein in jail? That's well, he I'm went like. to a week of therapy. And I don't like, give a fuck. I'm like, I'm like, slap those cuffs on that motherfucker. Like, like, I don't understand. Yeah. So, like, women just in general, like, yes, obviously, gay men are worthwhile too. But like, why are why are such big decisions being made with those allegations versus others? Because my guess is that what you're saying is that it depends on the victim. Does it? Yeah. Okay, so let me let me be devil's advocate and bring up Corey Haim or the Feldman or whichever one nice. said whatever. I'm like, <laughs> now they look like geniuses. The Corys. the Corys look like geniuses right now, okay? They weren't believed either. Yep. At their, oh, granted, it was a different time. So maybe it's just that the allegations just weren't believed in general. Yeah. So I, okay. Um, I've been seeing this a lot on, there is a debate about this online. And I remember like watching this play out this morning, actually. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The reason I don't know is because is it that you could also make the argument because it's, oh, geez, I don't know. I have another question. I, oh, shit, man. <laughs> Where the fuck is Bailey when you need her? <laughs> um, so my other question is, like, I put pins in two similar points you made earlier. Right. All of these allegations that are coming out are from obviously high-powered men, but they're all in the states. When's, ah. when's Canada's reckoning coming? <sighs> okay. I mean, we, a couple of years ago we had Giancomeshi, and then in Ottawa we recently had Matthew Carmichael. But Giancomeshi for me was a watershed, mm-hmm. and the reason is that's when I realized how how sexist this country is. Mm-hmm. The comments from men were disgusting. Mm-hmm. The comments for women were even more disgusting because that, that was internalized sexism, yep. in my opinion. Um, Canada has, 
I always say people always talk about how crazy the States is right now. They're working out their crazy. Yeah. We don't work on our crazy. And we have crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, there's a debate going on in Alberta about whether or not kids have the right, can be outed by the state, yes. basically. Right? Yeah. The fact like, that this is a debate. Where, like, the, the school would have to report to the parents that their child is a member of a gay-straight alliance. Yeah. That's... Maybe they're fucking straight. It's a gay-straight alliance. Like... I'm sorry, but now we have the state reporting on your sexuality? Yeah, no. Like, how fucking... How different is that from Alabama or Texas that yeah. we talk about every week, right? How different is that? Okay, so there's that. Um, if- also, these are the same uh, people who want the state out of your business. Yeah. They yeah. want free market. They don't want government intervention. But yeah, we're going to intervene in the things that we value. Yeah, that Go we... fuck yourself. Yeah, basically. So, um, I think, number two, this country has a culture of silence. Yep. And because silence apparently brings stability. I don't know. The, the ad- adherence to stability instead of justice is exactly the problem in this country. That's exactly why we don't talk about things. That's exactly why it's not being talked about. I saw that you had, I think you had forwarded a tweet or something like that, and somebody had pointed that out, Mm -hmm. that she was actually almost sad that in the States there is this sort of cathartic release that women are, are allowed, well, that women made the space to release onto into the public so but in canada that hasn't happened no so i a couple years ago went to a meeting at a different office for another department um and i met my friend for coffee and as we were having coffee uh two of her colleagues walked by and she said hey to them and then she went back to work and i went back to the the conference i was at she was like, yeah, like the guys that walked by, like they were making all these sorts of comments about you and like when they were at their desk, like, oh, who the fuck was that? Like, oh, and she was so like, just like making like sexist comments about me. And then she, my friend called them out and was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I tweeted about it. Um, and then I told my director or she saw it and then asked me and I was like, yeah. So she like contacted HR to see like what could be done because mm-hmm. like it didn't happen one as part of our department and two on our property. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Oh, well, they think that you need to delete that tweet because like it's kind of out like it's like slanderous." I was like, "I didn't name them." And why is why is you telling people your experience slanderous? I I if you didn't name any names and and this is very much Canada and this is very much um the Canadian public service the Canadian public service um is is actually propagates that culture of silence mm-hmm. because you're not supposed you're not allowed to talk about your even fucking experiences yeah. because somebody will rat on you because that's how it works you have to be ratted on Ugh. you have to be snitched on Yep. And so somebody will snitch on you and then... I've been snitched on so many times. Oh my gosh, yes. There is a... By the way, this country is a snitching country. Yeah. Like, the fact... What was it that that kids can't even walk 
alone down the street yeah, because somebody work. will snitch on the parents yeah. to CPS about kids walking to the park by themselves. That's a problem. Yeah. To be and furthering in this culture of silence, I was sent, I remember I was harassed. <laughs> One of the times I was mm. harassed in the public service was by a fellow economist who had sent me a racist email. It was racist as fuck. I have the receipts. Um and the racism was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. It went through the proper channels. I I I emailed it to every I emailed it to his boss, to his boss's boss, yeah. my bosses, my boss's bosses, and I was told that it would be taken care of and we don't we don't we don't do that. We don't we don't just let things slide. Guess what? They swept it under the rug. Yeah. And then I got called out for even talking about it. So this culture of silence is embedded, it is encouraged, and it is propagated as though it is the best thing for everybody. It is not. If something has happened to you and you're not speaking out about it, I really do think it's cathartic to get to the point where you can speak out about it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you should. I'm not trying to, you know, tell everybody what to do. I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't, but you should actually get to the point where you can. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. there is something healing about it. And the fact that we support these institutions, I can't tell you how many people love to tell you about the authority of some institutions who will come and get you if you talk too much. Mm -hmm. My entire career in government was about how you can stay silent and how you're not supposed to say anything about anything about anybody about anywhere anyhow. Yeah. And it you are promoted along those cultures of silence, the the rules. So when there's harassment, especially harassment that threatens your work environment because that's what harassment and bullying does. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck do you go to? Because your union won't help you. Yeah. So who do you go to? What is the recourse? Well, hopefully that'll be solved. With this legislation? I hope so. Yeah. I also want to say, like, I would love... I wish I would love for there to be a cathartic sort of, of, of letting out of stories in Canada. Yeah. It hasn't, I don't think it's happened much. I don't know if it's going to happen. Yeah. Because you also don't want somebody snitching on you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, misogynist of the week, all men. <laughs> and with a special shout out to your problematic fave. Because all faves are problematic. Yeah, they're all problematic. Just wait for yours. Ugh. Like Nicki Minaj. Okay. Did you see Nicki Minaj's brother got convicted for rape raping an 11 year old the same brother that she stood up and supported yeah we were all like hmm yeah Hmm." yeah i did see a funny tweet that someone said oh please tell me weird al yankovic is fine (laughs) yeah yeah he's probably the least problematic well george taiki like basically our human our faith in humanity is shot yeah but, uh, We're in dystopian times. I mean, stay bitchy. I don't know. Like... It totally means stay bitchy. <laughs> By the way, I love that. I think that should be like our. Like, 
brand hashtag stay bitchy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we'll cut that part out. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> um, anything else you have to add? No, I think I said a lot. <laughs> we did say a lot. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, you guys, thanks for listening. Rate us on iTunes. Rate us on Facebook. Um, uh, become a patron. Uh, Patreon.com slash badandbitchy. Um, and you'll get our cool newsletter. It's been posted on Patreon, and you get it actually in your mailbox once a month. Um, I got mine. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> that, and send us your... Th- 30 second and above rants. If you want to, you know, take over our third co-host chair. Yeah, we're looking for a third co-host. So just to be fair, if it's five minutes, I'm not going to listen. Um, but basically, it should have an intersectional feminist lens. It should be a current issue. It can be political. It can be economic. It can be social. It can mm-hmm. be whatever. It could be fashion. We love fashion. But... From an intersectional feminist perspective. Yeah. And send it to us through whatever medium you want. And yeah, let's get this... Uh, let's get this party started. Yeah, I'm um, excited. You can email us at badandbpod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at badandbitchy. On Instagram at badandbitchypod. And on Facebook um, at facebook.com slash Podcast. Yeah, that's it. it. That's it. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.